Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages live down the internet. This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. We are streaming live on the internet from London. This show is dedicated to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. On tonight's program, we will be discussing the final part of our series about the restoration of the family unit. We will be studying what the Bible teaches about the family. More about our subject after you've heard some music. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love I love to tell the story because I know tis true it satisfies my longings as nothing else can do I love to tell the story will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Restoration of the Family Unit We will discuss this subject tonight with answers from the Bible. Have a pen and a paper ready to write down some notes. Tonight, we will be discussing these questions together. What purpose does God have for families? How are families to relate to churches? How has the family unit become fragmented? What is God's plan to restore the family unit? And what can we do to restore the family unit as individuals today? So listeners, before we start our study this evening, let us have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Voice to the Wilderness, Internet Radio, streaming live on the internet from London. Lord, as we study your word this evening, you ask once more for your Holy Spirit to be of us, to teach us, 
and to strengthen our minds in eternal truth is our prayer. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now what purpose does God have for families? We read in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 14 to 19. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. God's purpose is for the whole family in heaven and earth to be named after the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, de- he desires to grant us, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by the Holy Spirit in the inner man, the mind. The family of God is to have their minds strengthened by the Holy Spirit, that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. The scriptures explain further. Christ is to dwell in the family of God's hearts by faith, that they, the family of God, may be rooted and grounded in love, and may be able to comprehend or understand the expanse of God's love with passive knowledge, that they may be filled with all the fullness of God. If earthly parents want their children to be surrounded with their love and care, and protection, how much more does our Heavenly Father not only want us to be surrounded with His care and protection, but to be filled with His love? God the Father wants to fill all the hearts of His children with His love, whether they are in heaven, such as the heavenly angels, or on earth, as the human family, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ the Lord. We read in the book of John chapter 14 and verses 6 to 7. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Jesus himself lets us know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. If we desire to know the way of love, the truth about love, and the life that is love, then we need to know him who is the source of love itself, our creator and redeemer, Jesus Christ. God's purpose is for each family member to have a personal relationship with him through Jesus Christ. The father in the family needs to know Jesus. The mother in the family needs to know Jesus and the children in the family need to know Jesus. Here is God's plan for all the family. We read in the book of Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? We read in the book of Luke chapter 11 and verse 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Listeners, the Holy Spirit, the representative of God himself, is the greatest of all gifts. All good things are comprised in this. The Creator Himself can give us nothing greater, nothing better. Thus we see that God's purpose for each family is that they receive the greatest gift that He can give, the Holy Spirit, His own personal representative. The Divine Presence in the mind and heart is the greatest gift that each one of us can receive. We read in the book of Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1, 
After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. We read in the book of Exodus, chapter 33, and verse 14, And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. We read in the book of 1 John, chapter 3, and verse 24, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he has given us. To Abraham, as well as to Moses, God promised to be their shield and exceeding great reward. He promised that his presence would go with them and give them rest. Through the writings of the Apostle John, we learn that it is only through the power of the Holy Ghost that a person can keep God's commandments. The Holy Ghost is a gift that is given to God's children as only those who choose to be obedient to God have his presence. And so, listeners, we see all throughout the Bible the consistent teaching that God desires to dwell in us personally, personally, through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. The greatest reward that a mortal can have in this life is to be honoured by God's presence. Not a presence as heathenism teaches, all-pervading nature and universe, but his personal presence dwelling in each person's mind and heart. When each family member experiences God's love and power personally for themselves, then they will have a mutual experience. They can share the love that they have received from God to each other, and the family is united together in Christ's love. These things are and always will be a mystery, but by faith, God's people know that he is true, destroys sin in their hearts, and sustains them in a holy life. Now, how are families to relate to churches? We read in the book of Genesis, chapter 18 and verse 19, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. We read in the book of Genesis chapter 12 and verses 2 to 3, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. God singled out Abraham in his word, because Abraham and his family are an example of what a family should be with relation to God's church. They should keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bless them and bless all who they come in contact with. So families are to bring the influence of God's blessings in their lives into churches so that the church can rightly represent God and be a blessing to the community. The church is not a building alone, listeners, but every single disciple of Jesus Christ. We read in the book of Psalms, chapter 95, and verses 2 to 3, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him, with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. We read in the book of Psalms, chapter 100, and verses 4 to 5 Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. God clearly instructs his people to enter into his place of worship with thanksgiving and praise, because he is due praise and thanksgiving for all that he has done to bless and to preserve each family member every day who have given themselves to him. Thus families are not to join God's church because of what they receive from his church alone. Rather, families are to join God's church in order to be of use in God's service and to serve by his grace and to help bless others. 
They are to keep the God's way through the power of Christ, doing justice and judgment wherever they have an influence. Quite simply, families who make up God's church are called to lovingly serve. This was why we had the first three radio programs based upon manhood, womanhood and childhood. When each family member knows the role God gives to them, then together as a family, they can know what right relation they are to have in God's church. We read in the book of Isaiah chapter 56, verses 6 to 7, Also the sons of the stranger that joined themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. God promises not only to bless all the families who have joined him and serve him and who love his name, who keep his seventh-day Sabbath from polluting it, who take hold of his covenant, but he also promises that the sons of the stranger, those who have not given themselves yet to Christ, if they join themselves to him under the same conditions, then they will also be received into his church and he will accept their service towards him. This reveals that the Lord still offers salvation and blessing, not only to those within his church, but also to those who are outside his church, whoever they are, who are willing to give themselves to him fully and come into his church, into a covenant relationship with him, to be obedient to his commandments, especially the fourth commandment, which declares him to be the creator of the universe. Now, how has the family unit become fragmented? We read in the book of Isaiah chapter 3 and verses 8 to 12. For Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. The show of their countenance doth witness against them. They declare their sin as sudden, they hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy paths. Listeners, these Bible texts explain why the family unit has broken up. The family unit has become ruined because the church has become ruined. In Isaiah, we have an account of the reasons why Jerusalem, God's church in Isaiah's time, had fallen. God's people's sayings and doings were against the Lord. They sinned openly, they allowed children to oppress them and allowed women to rule. The order of the family unit became reversed. Church leaders caused the people to do wrong and destroyed the way of people's paths. Is it not the same today? Can we really blame the church for the breakup of the family unit? Has God's church fallen? We will have a break for some music and then continue with our study this evening.
closeness that has continued to look at why the family unit has become fragmented. The Bible reads in the book of Revelation chapter 14 and verse 8, As there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The Babylon here symbolized is called she by Jesus. Babylon is a woman, but what type of woman? The Bible reads in the book of Revelation chapter 17 and verse 5, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Here we see that Babylon is a mother. She is a mother, not of good children, but of harlots, prostitutes. Her children are impure. From Babylon comes the abominations of the earth. The Bible reads in the book of Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 2, I have likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and delicate woman. Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of the Scriptures, represents his people, Israel, the daughter of Zion, as a comely and delicate woman when they are faithful to him. The Bible reads in the book of Isaiah chapter 1 and verses 8 and 21, And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as the lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. How is the faithful city become an harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Listeners, Christ represents his people, the daughter of Zion, as a harlot, an impure woman, when they are unfaithful to him. This symbolism has been carried from the Old Testament to the New Testament, so that we can clearly understand what Jesus is showing us, and how we are to understand his message. As taught by faithful Protestants for centuries, the symbol of a mother called Babylon in the book of Revelation is used to represent the Roman Catholic Church, which has become unfaithful to God and has bred religious bodies which are rebellious against God and impure. The great sin charged against Babylon is that she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. This cup of intoxication which she presents to the world, represents the false doctrines that she has accepted as the result of her unlawful connection with the great ones of the earth. Friendship with the world corrupts her faith, and in her turn, she exerts a corrupting influence upon the world by teaching doctrines which are opposed to the plainest statements of Holy Writ. Let us now give some real historical facts to prove that what God has said in his word about the Roman Catholic Church is true. Most of the governments and family structures in the Christian world are now socialist. How has this come about? The Communist Manifesto was written by a man called Adam Weishaupt. Adam Weishaupt was a Jesuit priest. The Jesuits are a religious order of the Roman Catholic Church. The following quotes are from a book called the Illuminati 666. Adam Weishaupt was born a Jew, converted to Catholicism, then turned to witchcraft where he became an expert and founder of another sect of the Illuminati. This sect was founded on May the 1st, 1776. Like Freemasonry, the Illuminati is a Luciferian movement to preserve and promote the ancient black arts of Babylonian and Druid witchcraft. The plan of Weishaupt's world revolution they hoped to produce was 1. The abolition of all ordered governments 2. The abolition of private property 3. The abolition of all inheritance 4. The abolition of patriotism 5. The abolition of all religion 6. The abolition of the family 
and seven, the creation of world government. To spread his order and give the Illuminati higher influence in the world, and because Freemasonry is akin to Illuminism, Weishaupt connected with the Masonic Institution. He was initiated in 1777 into Freemasonry in a lodge at Munich. Adam Weishaupt and Baron von Nigg. Von Nigg was master of most secret societies in his day. They planned the world takeover by using the Fraternal Order of Freemasonry. Their plan was to penetrate into the high levels of the order, then take control in directing the affairs of the nations into an eventual one world government. See the Illuminati 666, pages 173, 177, 178. 186 and 193 by William Josiah Sutton. You can also read a book called World Revolution by an author called Nestor Webster. This book also explains how, from Adam Weishaupt's teachings, the social revolutionary movements have come into our world today. And so we see that from a corrupt church, the Roman Catholic Church, has come a socialist world revolution. Part of this socialist plan has been to abolish the family unit. The teachings of most of the churches in our time do not come from the Bible listeners, but from the ideas that they have received from a corrupt socialist state, like free love, evolution, same-sex marriage, women's empowerment, the legislation of abortion and sodomy, and equal rights different from God's order. Religious faith appears so confused and discordant that the people know not what to believe is truth. The sin of the world's impenitence lies at the door of the church. Here is why the family unit has become broken up in so many homes. Now what is God's plan to restore the family unit? We read in the book of Revelation chapter 14 and verses 6 to 7. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven, and earth, and the sea, and the fountains of waters. We read the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verses 13 to 14. Let us say the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. The creator of heaven and earth and the sea and fountains of waters Jesus Christ, who sees how his church has become corrupt, in his mercy is sending a message calling every person who dwells upon this earth, in every nation, who speaks every language, who is among every people, to fear him. To fear God is to keep his commandments as given in his word. God warns us to fear him as he shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil. Listeners, we are all going to be held accountable to God for how we live. The question is, listeners, especially to those who know the Bible, are we working with God to restore the family unit? Are we working with God as fathers, mothers and children to receive his love and to fulfill our roles in the family as God has ordained? Or are we rebelling against God and sinning, living by the order of the socialist state that has been set up by satanic government? We read in the book of Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17, And the dragon was rough with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here the Bible explains the situation of this earth at this present time today. The dragon, who is symbolic of Satan, 
See Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. The dragon is wroth or angry with the pure woman as pictured in verses 1 to 2 of the same chapter. This woman is symbolic of God's faithful church who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus. And so the battle today is all about resisting the satanic powers who are seeking to destroy all who are obedient to God and who keep his commandments. All who are working to keep their families in God's order by his grace will have the devil and his associates to face, invisibly or visibly, through corrupt church members and corrupt leaders of the state. And so what can we do to restore the family unit as individuals today? Listeners, the most fitting way to end this series of radio broadcasts is to give practical testimonies of how Christ has eternal power to change the lives of repentant sinners. This is because some people may feel or believe that all we are talking about is ideals and they may feel that in the real world things are not as simple. But the fact of the matter is that to have the faith of Jesus Christ is simple. One has to simply put their trust in God's word and plan for their life and to let him live by his spirit within them. The problem is that so few are willing to humble themselves and to let go of their own ideas and to separate from their worldly friends and influences. And so few are willing to be born again completely in Jesus. We read in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is not a fantasy, listeners, but a living reality. I, your presenter, can testify of this by God's grace for myself. If any man be in Christ, he is positive, a new creature. He is recreated in all areas of his life by a supernatural power. The restoration of the family unit comes this way. We will now share testimonies of how individual lives have been restored from utter brokenness to soundness, completeness, and happiness once again in Jesus. Ask God for deliverance. Deliverance is yours. Ask God for victory. Victory is yours. Ask God for joy. Joy is yours. Ask God for peace. Peace is yours. Ask God for deliverance from your past. Deliverance is yours. You know, I am so strong on the Lord. I've seen the Lord do so much with so little for so long that I am convinced that God can do anything with nothing if you give your life to him. If you give him what he needs, what he wants, and all he wants is you. I had a fellow come to my church, wanted to serve the Lord, hooked on smoke, smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. I don't even know how many cigarettes are in a pack. 20, 21? How many? He's smoking 60 packs, 60 cigarettes a day. Through the power of God, he put the cigarette pack down, took a hold of Jesus, became a deacon in the church, became an elder, preached a meeting, baptized 20 people. Led 20 people to the Lord. Put down the smoke. Picked up Jesus. I had a young lady come to my church. She was a prostitute. A crack smoker. And a heroin addict. She was down to about 100 pounds. She looked like walking death. But she got a hold of Jesus. Or better yet, Jesus got a hold of her. She stood up in prayer meeting and she said, I'm 24 years of age and I've slept with 5,000 men. And my church did just what you're doing. 
She said, but I'm new in Christ. She gave up crack. She gave up heroin. She did. I'll tell you what Jesus did for her. She began studying with a fellow that she knew. She led him to the Lord. I baptized him. I baptized them both. She went from a hundred pounds. She put on a lot of weight, <laughs> eating vegetarian food. Went up to about 140. Got pregnant. I blessed their first child. Mm -hmm. Blessed their second child. Blessed their third child. I blessed their fourth child. And she was pregnant when I left New York. Five. She put on weight. She got a husband. She got five children. And she got Jesus. Huh? Doesn't matter what your past is. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how long you've did it. When you come to the Lord, sin has no hold over you anymore. Your past gets washed in the blood of Christ and all you've got is a bright and glorious future and you can have it right now. I remember a time in my life that I experienced such pain, brokenness and betrayal. I wondered how can someone experience such pain? How can the heart feel such brokenness and go on with life as though nothing happened? Why do some people hurt others? These questions raised through my mind how my heart ached to be healed. I think more often than not as human beings, we go through life with incredible scars of pain, brokenness, and emptiness. And we wonder why such suffering and pain? Why such emptiness? Will the scars we experience remain forever? In a world where pain, betrayal, and going through life with emotional scars seems to be what's normal, the one fundamental question that often goes through our minds, is God able to heal the scars we experience? At least it did in my mind when I experienced pain, brokenness, and betrayal. Through this journey in quest for healing, I discovered several things from a book that has inspired, challenged, and transformed my life. It's the Bible. I discovered through this experience how much I needed to find answers to my questions. And the Bible was the only book that began to give me peace as I searched for answers. So what exactly did God do? He gave me this idea, come talk to me like you're going to a counselor for counseling sessions every day. Just sit and talk to me about your pain, what you're thinking, tell me everything. And every day, I would call it my therapy sessions with God. I would sit and tell God everything I was thinking and feeling about the situation for as long as I just needed to talk. These words resonated deeply. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. I also came across a book compilation called Mind, Character, and Personality. I would pick up certain chapters that drew my attention and read from the book. What's so amazing is that as I was pouring out my heart to God, He was renewing my mind and today science shows that when we stop feeding the nerve pathway of whatever experience, addiction or habit, you are starving that particular nerve pathway and soon after time, the pathway dies because you stopped feeding it by changing and creating new nerve pathways. In my case, as I was surrendering my emotional pain to God, He was renewing my mind and soon one day I had the memory of the experience without the emotional or mental pain. Does God heal our pain or hurt? A resounding yes. Does it happen immediately? No. Sometimes it takes a while, it may be weeks, months or even years, but God heals our scars. One thing remains for sure, through the process of healing the scars, God passes through every experience we go through and experiences with us the pain.
Here's a promise I found from that book called the Bible. Isaiah 63 verse 9 says, In all our affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them, and he bore them and carried them all the days of old. How does God experience the pain and suffering that we go through? How does he heal the scars? According to the book, the Bible, God sent his son Jesus to come to earth to identify himself with humanity's frailties. Everything we will ever experience or have gone through, Jesus has experienced and he can offer this promise with assurance because he has walked in our moccasins as it were. He promises to take our pain or hurt and make something beautiful out of the scars. Isaiah 61 verse 3 says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Remember how science shows how new pathways are created as we surrender the old nerve pathways? There's a story of a day when for time and eternity, the greatest exchange took place on a hill called Golgotha through the man who changed the course of history for humanity's eternal good. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So what three dynamic lessons did I learn and continue to find comfort and healing in today? First thing, God does not afflict. Second, God makes beauty out of ashes and the scars that we experience. And third, God promises that soon there will come a time when there shall be no more pain. Our scars will be forever gone and never come to mind. God does not put a band-aid over our pain or hurt. He actually heals the pain and hurt now and in the future for eternity. Revelation 21 verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there come any more pain, for the former things are passed away. In eternity to come, there is one person who will forever bear my scars, our scars, Jesus. Zechariah 13 verse 6 says, And one will say unto him, What are these wounds between your hands? Then he will answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Listeners, please hear me now. Family religion, family holiness is now to be honoured as never before. Fathers and mothers who make God first in their households, who teach their children that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, glorify God before angels and before men by presenting to the world a well-ordered, well-disciplined family. A family that love and obey God instead of rebelling against Him. Christ is not a stranger in their homes. His name is a household name, revered and glorified. Angels delight in a home where God reigns supreme and the children are taught to reverence religion, the Bible and their creator. Such families can claim the promise, them that honour me, I will honour. As from such a home, the father goes forth to his daily duties. It is with a spirit softened and subdued by converse with God. The presence of Christ alone can make men and women happy. 
all the common waters of life, Christ can turn into the wine of heaven. The home then becomes as an Eden of bliss. The family, a beautiful symbol of the family in heaven. No matter how broken our homes may be, you've heard people's testimonies. It is a living reality that our homes can be restored again to be an Eden of bliss. The question is, will we allow God to do this? Let us give our hearts to Jesus Christ before it is too late to be saved by him. So let us pray to close our series of meetings. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for these series of meetings about manhood, womanhood, childhood, and the family unit. I pray that each and every person who have listened to either one or all four episodes, that they would look to see where each part especially relates to them. Lord, and whether we be men or women or children, I pray that we will realize that it is your purpose for us to submit ourselves to your word and to your purpose for us, which is for us to be filled with your love and to reflect your glory. Your glory, your goodness, your love and power, your justice, your mercy, and all the attributes, Lord, that you desire to fill us with. Lord, as we've heard, there's nothing too hard for you to do. It doesn't matter whatever situation that we're in, whatever we've done, how broken we are as individuals or a family unit. Lord, you died to give the human family power to be restored. And so, Lord, I lift you up this evening as our creator and redeemer and saviour and as our all-conquering king. You destroyed the power of Satan at the cross and now have the right to save human beings from sin. Help us to realize that we only live because of the sacrifice, Lord, that you've made for us. And I pray, Lord, that as you have honored us by giving your life to us, that we would honor you in return and that we would do all that you ask us to. Knowing, Lord, that whatsoever we ask from you, we receive from you, if we keep your commandments and do those things that are pleasing in thy sight. And so, Lord, I pray for all our homes, that where there may be division, that there'll be unity and love. That where there's war, that there may be peace. Lord, and I pray that each and every one of us from this day forward will go forward in you, realizing that in you nothing is impossible. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word and for giving us life and giving us the chance to be saved is our prayer. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Listeners, if you have any questions, or if you would like more information, please send an email to inquiries at wordlesspublications.org. Or you can send a text message to 07944062786. If you have the Android app for Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio, go to the ebook section, then find the title Bible Readings for the Home. Between chapters 166 to 172, you will find more information about the subject the restoration of the family unit. You can also listen to and download our radio show podcasts at https colon forward slash forward slash voice dash in dash that's i n z dash wilderness dot podcast page dot i o forward slash. If you would like to support Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio financially, then please send your donation through our website at vitwradio.org. Click on the page called About Us. You can donate to us there. Well, listeners, that's it for tonight's show. 
Good night and God bless. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages live down the internet. This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week.